Dig of the Dump. End of page 39. That afternoon, Barney bought a hatchet, iron wedges and the big sledgehammer down to the copse. Stig and he trimmed off the smaller branches, cut up the boughs into long logs and managed, after long and patient sawing, to cut the main trunk into three. Then they set to work to split it up. This seemed to be a thing Stig understood. They started to split with the axe, put in an iron wedge, drove it in with the hammer to make the split grow, then drove in another wedge until at last there was a satisfying split and the fibres of the timber parted from end to end. The sky was now getting grey and dark and an icy wind had begun to blow, but they did not notice it. It warms you twice, cutting wood. They trundled the log to the edge of the pit and sent them crashing to the bottom, not too near the den. Barney looked up at the pale sunset and saw a kind of dust floating down from the sky. Sawdust? No. As it settled on the ground, it was white. It was fine snow. Come on, Stig, let's get the fire going, said Barney. They went round to the entrance to the pit and along to the bottom of the shelter, humped what they thought were enough logs and kindling inside and then sat down very tired on the floor of the dark den. Now for a nice fire, thought Barney. Stig stirred himself. He picked up the gear lever of the motor car that was lying around the den and poked carefully at the ashes of what had been the fire. But they were well and truly dead. Stig sighed. Then he reached for his bow, which was propped up against the wall. It was a fine steel bow, made out of stringy television aerials and strung with picture wire. He took the lead leg of a hardwood chair, which was sharpened to a point at one end. He fitted the point into a hole in a block of wood, which he held with his toes, passed the bowstring round the leg of the chair, held the top of the chair leg with a cracked egg cup, and began to draw the bow backwards and forwards, so that the string made the chair leg twirl. Barney watched fascinated as Stig worked away, but though Stig seemed warm enough at the job, Barney was getting cold. At last, the point of the chair leg twirling in the block of wood began to smoke. Stig quickly fed it with a handful of grass and started blowing on it, still fiddling away frantically with the bow. The grass glowed. Stig fiddled and blew, but everything in the cave was damp and the little fire died out with a wisp of smoke. The bowstring frayed and snapped. Stig, exhausted, said something in his strange language, threw the chair leg across the cave and sat there biting his nails. Do you want a light, Stig? asked Barney brightly, and he took a box of matches from his pocket and struck one. 
the little flame suddenly lit up the cave. The effect on Stig was amazing. He uncurled himself and leapt to his feet in a bound and stood staring at the lighted match with round eyes. When the flame burnt down to Barney's fingers and he had to blow it up, Stig gave a sort of despairing bow. It's all right, Stig. I've got loads more, Barney said. He struck another and Stig jumped again, but this time crept up to stare at it close too. Come on, let's have some paper twigs. Sorry, paper and twigs, said Barney. By the light of the third match, they found some. But they were not very dry and it took another three or four to get a little fire going. Stig was lying on his stomach, blowing like a bellows. Now gently, now fiercely, adding a twig here and a splinter from the wooden box there. Building a careful pile, feeding the fire where it was needed. At last, the flames licked towards, upwards. The smoke began to clear itself through the hole in the bath and a warm glow began to light up the walls of the cave. Stig put two big logs crossed at the back of the fire and they began hissing and sizzling happily. Stig stretched himself up in the warmth like a cat, then held up his hands to Barney as if asking for something. Barney handed him the matchbox. You want me to show you how to strike a match, Stig? Here, push the little drawer thing. That's right, but not too far. Take out a match. Now you better shut the box. Hold the match by the white end, not the black end, silly. Now rub it on the side of the box. No, the side. There. After one or two tries, Stig managed to strike the match. He held the little flame and gazed at it until the, he burnt his fingers and he had to drop it. Go on, strike another, urged Barney. Granny's got plenty. A box only costs about a penny, I think. But Stig wouldn't waste another. He took the box and hid it in his bed. It was clear he thought a match was a very precious thing indeed. Stig came back to the fire with his hands, full of chestnuts. He put them in the ashes and they lay and waited until the chestnuts popped. Then they hooked them out with the gear level and blew on them and ate them. There were plenty of nuts in Stig's hoard and Barney ate 23. He felt wonderfully full and warm and he lay looking at the fire and at the shadows dancing on the walls of the cave. But Stig was squatting with a faraway look in his eyes and a piece of charred board in his hands, looking towards a blank wall of the cave. He seemed to be looking through it, not at it. He moved up to the wall, his eyes fixed instantly as though he was watching something interesting through a window. Then suddenly he attacked the white wall with his blackened stick. On the chalk he made sweeping black lines and there was the outline of a galloping horse. More fierce scrapes of the stick and there was a stag with antlers galloping 
Soon, there were little men running with spears and bows and arrows. Sorry, bows and arrows. Barney was hopping with excitement. Stig, you are a good drawer. I wish I could do pictures like that. Do some more, Stig. Oh, the men are killing the deer. For there was a spear struck in the shoulder of a galloping deer, so that it hurt to look at it. But Stig took no notice and did not seem to be aware of Barney, for Stig was not thinking about making pictures. He was out there with the hunt, galloping with the animals, running with the hunters, and his hands practised as they were at working with hand flints and tough bone, went on drawing the springy black lines on the white wall as if they could not help it. Barney watched the hunting scene grow on the cave wall, and the last thing he thought about was the time. There was no clock in Stig's cave, not one that went anyway. He went back to the fire to make it up and caught a glimpse of the darkness outside the entrance. It was night and he had to go back to the house through the dark alone. Stig, I've got to go, he said, but Stig didn't hear. Barney looked at Stig's collection of weapons leaning up against the entrance. There was a spear with a long shaft of smooth hazelwood and a head of gleaming flint. It quivered when he picked it up, as if it were alive. Stig, can I borrow one of your spears to see me home? Barney asked. Stig turned his head, saw Barney with the spear and grinned. Barney took that as permission to have the spear, though Stig was still probably lost in the excitement of the hunt. Barney took a piece of wood from the fire, one end of which was flaming brightly and with the spear in the other hand, he crept out. It was pitch dark and very cold. An icy wind made the flame of his torch flicker. He hoped it wouldn't go out. As he made his way along the bottom of the pit, he kept his spear ready just in case. Perhaps the bears and things were asleep for the winter. Perhaps there weren't any bears. After all, this was nowadays, wasn't it? The only dangerous thing were the motor cars when you crossed the road. Or was it nowadays? It was difficult to feel sure in the dark at the bottom of the pit. There was something squatting in his path. Barney gripped his spear tightly and held it poised. It was all right. It was a big can with slapperton paint printed on it. He gave it a friendly kick as he passed it. He climbed up into the copse and as he went through the trees a white thing swept towards him through the air. Without thinking he jabbed it wildly with his spear but the owl, for that's what it was, swerved away sharply and ghosted off into the dark. Off with you Mr Owl, the, said Barney crossly. What do you mean by trying to frighten me? He was soon out of the copse, and by the time he reached the house, he was sorry to have come in out of the dark. 
He put out the torch in the water butt, put the spear in the broom cupboard and changed his shoes. His grandmother and sister were sitting at the table eating crumpets. Barney, where have you been? Were you up in your room all this time? No, Granny, I'm sorry I'm late, but I've been out with Stig. You've been out in the cold and dark all this time? Oh, Barney. I wasn't cold, really, Granny, but poor Stig was nearly frozen to death and I had to warm him up and his axe wasn't sharp enough to cut down the little trees, so we cut down a big one and the saw got stuck so I had to climb up it and pull it down and then we cut it up and pushed it down the pit. And Stig tried to light the fire with the chair leg and an egg cup and a television aerial but I showed him how to strike matches and we ate chestnuts and Lou, Stig's jolly good at drawing horses and things and he was still drawing them when I left with a piece of blackboard on the chalk. Lou giggled. Granny, Barney said Stig was drawing with a blackboard on the chalk. He meant a chalk on the blackboard. Barney decided to join in the laughter. They didn't ask him any more questions after that, but Barney felt happier about helping Stig with his firewood than he did about all the presents he had got for Christmas.